Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, how are you? I'm doing fine, Eric. How about yourself? I am fantastic, Peter. I'm I'm excited to be back with you. And I know we've got a lot to cover today. What do we want to talk about? Well, you know, we've, I've been having conversations with, with clients over, over the last few months, and I thought we'd talk about, uh, you know, how people are feeling about the markets, kind of the input that I'm getting. Got it. it so so that's, that's, that's the topic. Yeah. And, and, and it's not that we spend a ton of time, you know, talking about how clients are feeling about the market, but it could be just me. I don't think it is because I've been talking to my friends, but it seems that there's a lot of market uncertainty out there. And so I want to ask, what are you hearing from your clients? Well, you're right. I, I just think there's a, just a ton of anxiety. Our clients aren't reaching that point where they're actually selling stocks and bonds because of the mm-hmm. economy or the markets. They're they're kind of holding holding assets. You know, they're they they aren't panicking, but they aren't feeling so good. <laughs> you know, they look at their statements, and the statements are you know they're they're lower than they were a year ago. Their mm-hmm. assets are typically a, a bit lower. Now, not terribly terrible from a value standpoint, but if they were invested in stocks and bonds, their accounts are lower than they were one or two years ago. It's just a fact. And so I think they're anxious and they're hesitant. And what I'm seeing is if they have extra cash, you know, they've they've retired or they've there's there's some a liquidity event. They're selling a business or a piece of property. Right now, they're feeling like people want to stay on the sidelines. And the other reality is with with, uh, with certificates of deposits and U.S. treasuries that are maturing in, in six to 12 months, uh, they're, they're feeling good about those things. So that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And, and when, when you first started that statement, the word queasy came to mind, right? Yeah. That's kind of just, you just got this feeling you don't can't maybe pin it down, but that kind of feels that way. But I, I've got a question, and this is just kind of where I'm at. Haven't we been here before? I mean, market's going up, market's going down. There's tons of bad stuff happening in the news. I mean, the news is always throwing stuff down our throat that's negative, of course. And political uncertainty, for crying out loud. I mean, that's huge right now. Haven't we been here before? We have, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like many times. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you've heard that that old adage that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> this situations and specific circumstances are always different. There's always different things that make us anxious. Mm-hmm. However, we experience those circumstances in similar ways over the years, and so that's. Yeah, we've been here before. And I think people have a, a fairly short-term memory about that. <laughs> you know, yeah. a year, two, three years ago, things were also tough. Remember, we were in COVID. Um, mm. And that that didn't feel so good either. So we've been here. We'll be here again in the future. Yeah. Well, 
again, there's there's a ton of talk about a likely recession. I've heard some people say that we're already in one, one's coming, one's we're borderline. This this concern specifically seems to affect the stock and the bond markets because that's that's what I'm seeing. And I've heard it described many times before, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Why don't you give me your def- definition of a recession? What is a recession in your eyes? Yeah, so, so you know, it there is a definition of a recession. Matter of fact, I googled uh, I googled it because <laughs> I thought I, I, I thought I should maybe be very specific about what it is. And I got a great explanation from uh, from 2022, and it's the White House website. And that's it's not a political statement. It's just this is a fact of what a what a recession is. And so I'll just read it to you because I think it's interesting. All right. Uh, while some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real gross domestic product GDP constitute a recession. That is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Instead, both official determinations of recessions and economists' assessments of economic activity are based on a holistic look at the data, including the labor market, consumer and and business spending, industrial production, and incomes. And here's here's an important thing. The National Bureau of Economic Research Business Cycle Dating Committee. They are the official recession scorekeeper, and they define a recession as a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and that lasts more than a few months. And I think that's that's the definition. We don't really know exactly what triggers the recession. This Mm -hmm. NBER, Business Cycle Dating Committee, makes that determination. They're tracking lots of data, and they, in hindsight, will come to a conclusion that we are or we're not in a in a recession. And just think about that. The, the, this committee is depending on government statistics that are reported, and and all the statistics lag, and they're often re, uh, revised along the way. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know we're in a recession until after it starts, well after. And I and I think that's just an important thing to understand. I think the other thing that I want to make make clear is: does it really matter whether we are in, or have been in, or will be in a recession? And uh, I think you know, in one in one sense, it of course it does matter. You know, mm-hmm. when, when the economy slows down, there's a there's typically higher unemployment and certain sectors of the economy or businesses are, are are affected negatively. And certainly people are negatively affected and can experience, you know, a, a real dis- disruption in, in employment, in their incomes. So a recession is tough, but it doesn't really mean the entire economy just stops. I think I've said this before on other podcasts, um, Procter & Gamble is still going to sell soap and toilet paper during a recession. Utilities are still going to power your community. Banks are going to still lend money. People still purchase prescription drugs. You know, people go on vacation. Mm-hmm. They travel. They visit family. They buy birthday presents. You know, life goes on for most people. It Unemployment may go up. So specific people may be affected by a recession, um, but not everyone. And if there is an economic slowdown, the U.S. government usually takes some sort of action to stimulate the economy. Maybe they'll cut taxes. Maybe they'll reduce interest rates. And when the economy slows down, 
Some businesses might have lower profits or earnings, but but other companies in sectors of the economy might be doing okay. So lower earnings on average can can negatively affect the market value of stocks because market value of stocks is based upon corporate earnings. And when interest rates decline, another effect of of um, of of a, of a recession is that is that the value of your bonds might go up if interest rates decline. So so there's different things happening. Stocks might go go down in value. Bonds might go up in value. And then on the other side of it, if the economy expands too quickly. This could result in, in inflation as well. So, so that's a that's a that's a negative of, of an economy expanding, and we've just experienced that, where the government um, has tried to slow down the economy by raising interest rates, and unfortunately, when interest rates rise, bond values decline. Mm-hmm. So it it goes both ways. So government, we we may be experiencing a business cycle. We may be experiencing a slowdown. Government is going to probably take some sort of action to 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 mitigate those those uh, the, those circumstances, and I think it's just important for the for all listeners to know that both the economy and markets are cyclical. They don't expand forever. They don't decline forever. These cycles can last for for you know months or or maybe even years. But again, it's that important understanding that that these expansions and slowdowns are cyclical and they just should be expected as an, as an investor, you know, a, a player in our economy. I think you have to accept this reality and prepare for it. Okay. So that leads me to this. Like you said, the, it, it's cyclical. So if the stock and bond markets are affected by the cyclical nature of the economy, shouldn't I try to avoid investing during a recession? I mean, is that a smart thing to do or what are your thoughts? Well, when I talk about markets, I, I want to say that that past results are not predictive of results in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's my, um, I we don't we don't really know what's going to happen in the future, but remember that consistently and correctly predicting recessions is really tough. We never know when when we'll enter recession and 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 when the recession ends, we we don't really know it ends until months after the fact. Yeah. So you know, it just takes. It, it it takes time, and, and that's one reason I asked that that question initially. Does does it really matter if we're we're in a recession? Well, maybe not. You know, it depends upon <laughs> it depends upon where you sit there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think secondly, a bumpy economy isn't always bad for markets. You know, just just as an example, there've been eleven recessions since nineteen fifty three, that and and these recessions have lasted from two to eighteen months. So some of them have been very short. Some have been a lot longer. But 45% of the time, U.S. large company stocks, as, as represented by the S&P 500, which is a stock index, the, the S&P 500 experienced positive returns during those times. And the average return one year after the recession ended was positive, 16%, positive 30% after three years, and positive 56% after five years. Mm. So so we don't really know if the recession is when it's going to come. We don't know when it's going to end. And we don't know how, how the stock market's going to react to that. 
and and here's another I think an important fact here that uh, that the S and P 500 was negative only one time, twelve months following the end of the recession, just one time out of mm. all those eleven wow. recessions. And and the S and P 500 was positive a hundred percent of the time three and five years later. So. Yeah, we can try to time, but if we don't really know when we're entering or 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 exiting a recession, and we don't know how you know how the market will react to that recession, maybe maybe we we don't we don't try to time. Uh, you know, I, I also I, I think this is important reality is that that equity markets usually peak well before recessions begin, and they begin to recover well before recessions end mm. you know since 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 1950 bull markets have on average lasted 67 months so more than five years and and had an average return of 265 percent while bear markets on average lasted only 13 months so obviously some were 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 longer and some were shorter mm -hmm. but but on average the loss was 33 percent so you know, we could try to time, but we don't really know. We don't know when it's when the time to to exit the market is going to be because of, of we don't know when a recession is coming or going, and bull markets last typically a lot longer than bear markets. No guarantee that those things are going to happen in the future, but I think the reality is is that it's not really worth our time trying to predict what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just it just is. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's something you've talked about on, you know, this podcast before. Cause if you did have a crystal ball and you could predict all this stuff, you'd be the richest man on the planet, quite yeah. honestly. Um, and so I didn't even think about it when I was asked that question that I would actually be trying to time the market. And, and you've talked about that many times and taught me that lesson over and over. So it, to me, it seems like investors are better off if they just live through the economic market cycles, right? Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. But, but, but while you're doing that, it's really important to make sure you've structured your investments to meet your cash flow requirements so you can live through these economic and market cycles. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, you, you, you got to prepare. And this is a weather example. Uh, you know, um, we live in New England. And uh, if, if I'm planning an outdoor party anytime from in the spring, the summer or fall, you, you bet I'm going to prepare for rain. It just, because it happens. Mm -hmm. and, and if I know economies and markets go through these expansions and contractions, uh, you bet I'm going to prepare for those events. I, I have to. And that's okay. my message is just, yeah. it's they're going to come. We don't know when they're going to come. They're, they're going to end. We don't know when they're going to end. Markets are going to react negatively and positively. We need to prepare for those things. Okay. So that's, I appreciate you saying that, but break it down for me. How do you do it? So, First thing, again, this is not new information. We've talked about this on many podcasts, is get a clear handle on your likely expenditures over the next 12 to 36 months. You know, I, I, I want to make sure we have uh, have the income or the expense already allocated to cash or something liquid or safe like money market funds or short-term CDs or bonds so that you, you can access that if you need it. If you've planned for a remodel or you've planned uh, for an expenditure like education costs or a big vacation or whatever it is, a new car, 
keep that money in cash if it's if that expenditure is coming in the next 12 to 36 months just keep it in cash if you don't earn much on it okay but that's how you prepare you yeah. think ahead hi this is Catherine broy from the raskin planning group apologies for the interruption thanks so much for listening to wealth is in the details we hope you're enjoying it so far if you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic Please visit our website at www.raskinplanning.com. Look for the podcast show notes and connect with us via social media. Well, I'm really glad that you mentioned money markets, uh, money market funds and CDs. Uh, that's something that we've talked about before on the podcast, but right now they really seem to finally be paying some decent interest. They just didn't before, right? And I'm thinking they're looking pretty good right now, especially when I compare that to my recent returns in my stock and bond accounts. Those are looking pretty nice. Yeah, relatively speaking, they're they're finally doing okay. You know, two years ago, money market and bank saving accounts were paying almost zero percent interest. Exactly. And now, you know, as of May uh, twenty twenty three, money market funds are paying in excess of four percent. That's that's not bad. Yeah. And, and it's the, they're the perfect place to park cash that you might need in six, twelve, eighteen, or twenty four months. It's it's safe and liquid, and that's what I would recommend. But I think it's important really to, to, be, to, to, to be clear about those objectives. That's, that's for your cash liquidity needs. Anything that's a, a longer-term investment, I think you, you need to be thinking about alternatives. And again, I'll just remember the economy and mar the markets are cyclical. Interest rates fluctuate. You know, on February 28th, 2022, so that wasn't too that was a you know a little more than a year ago. US Treasuries that mature in three months were paying 0.31%. Jeez. That's that's where we were. And on March 31st, 2023, the three-month US Treasury was paying 4.75%. Mm. And so that's because the the the, the Fed which controls short-term interest rates that, that banks banks borrow from the federal government. That's because they've raised interest rates to, to, to get control of inflation and they've raised them incredibly fast. And so money market funds and CDs, they typically reflect the yields of these short-term US treasuries. And what I would say is right now, this is a, there's an anomaly in the bond market. And, and you know, usually, uh, short-term yields on bonds are lower than long-term yields. So I, there's a lot of numbers here, but I think they're important. Investors are often paid more to make a long-term commitment. So in February of 2022, the 10-year U.S. Treasury was paying 1.84%, much more than the 0.31% mm -hmm. on the bond maturing in three months. Yeah. So that's more typical. Longer-term rates and yields on bonds are higher the longer you go out. Short-term bonds are, are typically paying less. But right now, short-term bond yields are actually paying more than longer-term bonds. A and this is called an inverted yield curve. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, right now, the three-month U.S. Treasury is paying 4.75%, while the 10-year U.S. Treasury is paying 3.49%. Now that's that doesn't happen that often. It does yeah. happen though, and this inverted yield curve is um, is 
typically going to move to more normal, the normal yield curve as time moves on. Meaning the event- eventually long-term bond yields are either going to increase or short-term bond yields are likely to decrease. I don't know what, I don't know when, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it, it's likely to happen. And investors that need liquidity should choose those short-term invest- investments. But if you're a longer-term investor and want bonds in your portfolio for the long run, I, I think you need to be acting like a long-term investor and and moving out into that yield curve that's paying a little bit less in the short term because we may see short-term interest rates coming down and then you've got interest rate risk. You've got a timing risk where a year from now, your short-term bonds or your money market accounts or your CDs may be renewing at very, very low interest rates Mm -hmm. or lower than they are now. That's not a prediction. I don't know what's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if if we saw some decline or increase in, in long-term bonds. So we recommend more of a laddering approach. I've talked about that in the past, where you you might have different maturities, one year, two year, three year, four year, five year. Maybe that's the most you go out at this point in time. But thinking more long-term, don't think only over the next six to 12 months, because you may be, you, 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 you may get you may get caught with very low yielding bonds. Hmm. Uh, Peter, this is a lot, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. these are these investment decisions. They're complicated. They're overwhelming. My friends and I have been talking about this. Stocks and bonds are going up and then they come down. The cost of living is increasing. Of course, everybody's feeling that. I feel like I have to pay taxes every time I turn around. You know, there's a lot of concern about the banks, especially with the, the latest news, of course. And I don't think anybody likes what's going on politically. Frankly, it's driving me crazy. <laughs> Peter, what, what are we supposed to do with stuff like this? Yeah, you know, Eric, you, I get it. And you're, you aren't alone. I, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of us are feeling that kind of frustration. And I don't know what's going to happen either, you know, especially in the short term. That's what I, I tell, tell people all the time. The, the, the future, short term and long term, it, it's, it's unpredictable. It's full of anxiety. And, and, and here's what I believe. Focus on what you can control mm-hmm. and prepare for a less than optimal experience, <laughs> you know, and maybe prepare for the worst. Spend time building a reasonable conservative plan. Make projections based upon, again, reasonable and conservative assumptions. One that is, it's not too optimistic. You know, pre- prepare for the worst case scenario. Make sure you got adequate insurance you know, have enough liquidity and you don't want too much liquidity. You want to, you, you, you want to make sure you got enough cash to meet your expenses over the next short period of time. Mm-hmm. At this, But at the same time, you have to save for the future. Yeah. You, you have to think longer term because it's a balancing act. You, you have to invest in stocks and, and real estate. So your assets grow faster than inflation. That's key. You know, right now, if you invest in in CDs and money market accounts and even sh- in, in bonds on an after-tax basis and an after-inflation basis, you're actually losing money. Mm. You're not making money. Now, that's okay for that safe money where you don't want to take risk. You don't. You shouldn't take risk. But your longer-term money, 
you you need to manage it. You need to think about uh, investing in assets that are going to generate returns in excess of inflation. That's the only way you're going to meet your plan. The other thing to do on on a regular basis is just manage your expenses. Not to say that you shouldn't buy your 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 coffees at Starbucks, um, but but you do need to think about how you're spending your money. Build a reasonable budget. You know, buy bonds that you, where where you want current income and safety. There's nothing wrong with buying bonds, they, mm-hmm. they, even if they're not beating inflation. They are an important part of a portfolio because they reduce risk and provide that current income. And I think you want to diversify your assets. You want to rebalance. You want to review things on a regular basis. And um, I think you really want to get people in your corner, hire professionals that can offer you objective and independent advice to help you with your investments, your retirement plan, your tax planning, your estate planning. You know, a financial planner might be part of that 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 uh, advisory group, certainly an attorney, an accountant. Have these people in place to help you through these very anxious times. I think it's helpful. I think it's important. It, it, part of that may be self-serving, uh, but uh, but I think I think it's really true. Most people will benefit from having someone sitting at their side of the table, helping them through these these difficult times. Yeah, I, here's the thing is that I, you say self-serving, but the, the bottom line is this, is that any anytime you need a professional, it's because you don't, have the skills, you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the time to do the research and the, the education that they do. I'm not going to start performing my own dentistry just because I don't necessarily want to go and, and pay for a dentist. I don't have that skill and I, it would turn out to be a disaster. So I, I appreciate that you brought that up, but the bottom line is that you're a great educator. You've always been a great resource for me and taught me a ton through this podcast. So I want the audience to get the same advantage. And you've always given your contact information. This is nothing new. The longtime listeners know that I'm asking for it at this point for a very specific reason. I want people to reach out because, like I said earlier, it's incredibly complicated. And it's not something that I think anybody, this is just my personal opinion, but I don't think anybody should tackle this on their own because there's so many things that we don't know. And this is what you do full time, all the time. And you've done for years and years and years for all your clients. So please give them a a way to reach you so they can have this conversation with you. Sure. Uh, I think the best best way to do it is through our website, raskinplanning.com. And our contact information is there, telephone number and email address and all that. So yeah, happy to, happy to chat with, with anyone, give, give anyone a a sense of, of where they are and, and help them going forward. Yeah. I appreciate that, Peter. Thank you so much. And of course, our last thank you does go to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this does actually help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp.
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.